Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to First Baptist Church of Zealand's live stream. For our second week, we've been gathered here. This is the narthex, everybody. This is the, the common place where we gather. We made it look a little bit different in order to have these gatherings and to do them well. And so uh, you, uh, I'm so thankful that you have joined us this morning. A couple of things before we open the scripture. Uh, the first is this. Um, you have a bulletin. If, if you're on our website right beneath where the video is at or somewhere around there, you're going to find this, this um, thing that says bulletin. And you can download that and it's got some updates and it's got some things that are going on. And one of the first things it has on there is a scripture uh, from Psalm 100. And so I want to read this as we begin this morning. It says, Shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good. Let me say that again. For the Lord is good and His love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. We've come this morning to worship the Lord, and so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, a couple other things that I wanted to just bring to mind or to mention on here. It's got some other um, scripture and some prayers that you can pray. It also has um, information about giving and live streaming and about how you can uh, reach out. Here's the title. It goes, Reaching Out Without Actually Physically Touching Anyone. We want to take care of people. We want to be mindful of the different health needs that we all have, which is why we're gathered like this. But this week, um, as God gives you opportunity and as His Spirit leads you, I encourage you to reach out to people within your, within your spheres of influence. Encourage them. Um, share the Word of God with them. Maybe even share this live stream with them. Uh, we're going to pray and begin our time. And one of the things that I specifically want to pray for this morning is um, shortly after, I think it was, uh, we finished our live stream last week, one of the things uh, that I was made aware of is that we, we have some partners uh, who we work with in the Philippines. Uh, and where they live is a place that not only is experiencing some of the COVID-19 stuff, but they're also uh, even more dire than that. Uh, they don't have much fresh water. And one of the things I was reminded of as, as I was hearing this story was, I have so much to be thankful for. In my home right now, we have water coming out of our spigot. We have a water filter in order to make it taste better. We, we have food. We, we have so many things that we need. And so as we begin this morning, and as you go out, uh, as you go on through your day with uh, your family or friends gathered around this live stream, I encourage you, even at the end of this, to just take a, a few moments to pray again. Uh, and as you pray, um, pray for our missionary partners in the Philippines. And so let's pray as we... Um, begin this morning. Our Father and our King, you are so good. You are so good. And we have said that even from your word this morning, that you are good and that your love endures forever, that your faithfulness continues through all generations. Lord, thank you for being a faithful God, faithful to your covenants, faithful to your promises, faithful to us here today. 
God, we pray uh, for our friends over in the Philippines as they face not only the effects of viruses, but they face the very primal effects of needing clean water, and not just clean water, needing fresh water. And um, God, we pray that you would provide rain for them and that you would meet their need with great abundance even this morning. God, we thank you so much that we can gather around your word, that we can be encouraged, that we can learn so that we might live for your glory. And that is why, that's why we gather. Um, so God, lead and guide us by your spirit as we open the scriptures this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So that is your, um, that's your bulletin, and that will be there. And if you would like a physical copy of that, we'd be happy to send you one this week. Um, secondly, you'll also find... Um, on that page, you'll find a discussion guide. And so one of the things we want to encourage you to do is with your small group, or with your family, uh, print this off or pull this up on your phone or your tablet. Um, Ron McIntyre, one of our elders, has put this together for us based upon the passage we're going to study this morning. And he has done just a fantastic job at asking great questions and going to other places in the scripture as we uh, open Matthew chapter 6. And so that will be worth your time. Um, this morning, we are going uh, to be talking about Matthew chapter 6. And you might remember last week we talked about James chapter 4. And in James chapter 4, it teaches us, uh, he teaches us what does it mean uh, to, to approach the future? How do we properly look at things to come? And he says this, he says, if God wills, this is what you should say, if God wills, we will do this or we will do that. One of the things that we face oftentimes in our life is that uh, we are future-minded people. And, and thinking of the future is not bad, but being consumed with the future and thinking that we'll go to this place or to that place, we'll do this or we'll do that, without recognizing that God is sovereign and that God is Lord and that God controls things that are way beyond our grasp is, is really quite foolish. And so he says, rather, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that. And so that's what we talked about last week. But today we're going to talk about what does it mean to live in the present. Specifically, how are we as followers of Jesus called to live our lives each day? What, what should our lives reflect in a world that is marked by self-reliance, anxiety, and personal gain? What, what does today look like for us? And to do that, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. And so I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles. I hope you have them this morning, either a hard copy or maybe on your tablet or on your phone. And turn in the scripture to Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to find ourselves this morning. And we're going to talk about seeking first the kingdom. While you turn there, um, a little bit of background about Matthew chapter 6, uh, just so that we understand this in context. The, the, the main focus that we're going to have this morning is on the latter portion of this chapter, verses 25 and following. But what I want you to see is, is how Jesus um, gradually gets to this point within Matthew's gospel. In Matthew 6, the first, uh, the first 18 verses, uh, it's this how to give. What, what, what does it mean to practice righteousness? And Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And we've done an extensive teaching on that last May. You can find that at our website if you want to go in depth on the disciples' prayer. Um, but one of the key um, components to the disciples' prayer is that prayer is an activity, an attitude, a practice of trusting God. And so when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, it's all about, here's how you should pray in relationship to your Father because you can trust him. 
He will meet your need. He will be there for what um, concerns your day. And, and so prayer and then fasting is another thing that they talk about here. And, and all these things build up um, the muscle of trust and faith and dependence upon God. And so he goes from that conversation to verses 19 through 24, and I want to read that. So you can remain seated wherever you are. You can stand in your hearts, though, uh, for the reading of the scripture here. Verse 19 of chapter 6 of Matthew says this, Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can be a slave of two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves or servants of both God and money. And so one of the things Jesus is teaching here is, he, is he's essentially saying is what, what we treasure is what we love. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Well, because treasures on earth fade quickly. All right. We, we look at all the things that are temporary here on this earth, um, TVs and computers and coffee and you name it. These are these are temporary treasures. And yet we pour our lives into temporary treasures. Uh, several years ago, I was able to lead a team to Egypt. And this is the Red Pyramid, and it's in the, it's in the northern part of Cairo. And we got to visit this pyramid. Now, now pyramids are essentially really, really big tombs. Uh, if you see that, um, that opening there, one of the things we were able to do is climb up the sides of this mountain, and then we were able to take the stairs up to that opening. From that opening, we went all the way down into the middle of this pyramid. It was really quite amazing. Uh, for people who are claustrophobic, it was less amazing for them. Um, but one of the things is you got, you got to go and you got to see all these different rooms that the pharaohs would put their things in so that they could have them in the afternoon life. See, see, they would store up for themselves treasures on earth, treasures of gold, tre treasures of chariots, treasures of all sorts of things that they would think that they would need in the afterlife. And if you just think about all the work that it took to build this red pyramid, it's, it's staggering. You know, the, the, the hundreds of thousands of man hours, the, the gathering of all the goods that would go in there because they just wanted to have an afterlife with um, everything that they might need. Um, there's a famous area in Egypt, and this is called the Valley of the Kings. Uh, this is where King Tut, some of you may have uh, heard of King, King Tutankhamun. Uh, this is where his... Um, his tomb was found, and it was found, it, it had been raided, but it hadn't been raided to the extent that all these others, because one of the things I mentioned about treasures is, is they fade away, or in the cases of many of these tombs, they're looted. After these pharaohs have died, all their stuff has been taken out, because that's all it is. It's stuff. And when you die, you can't do anything with it. You can't take it anywhere else. It just sits in a pile of rock. Jesus is saying in verses 19 through 21, where your treasure is, what you place all the importance of life into, there your heart is going to be. 
And so to build burial places or to build um, businesses or to build, you, you name it, all these things can become treasures in our lives and treasures that we hold higher than things that God would rather have us pursue. Now, that's not to say that having business or that working hard is bad. It's not to say that saving for retirement is bad. Not, not at all. It's where is our heart with relationship to stuff? Where is our hearts with relationship to the things that God has given us to use and to enjoy for his glory? So Jesus says that, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. But in verses 22 and 23, we find this, this Hebraic idiom. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light. And you're like, eyes, light, what on earth is he talking about? Um, a good eye is a Jewish way of saying that someone is generous. If I were to come up to you and I would say, hey, you have a good eye. That's a Jewish way of saying, hey, you're generous with what you have. And one of the um, antidotes to storing up treasure and finding um, meaning and fulfillment and value in the things of this world is to be generous. It, it, it's to give rather, to, rather than to receive. It's to say, God, how can I use what you have given me to bring blessing to others? It's something that looks forward. And so Jesus says, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, if you're not generous, your whole body is full of darkness. Rather, uh, if, if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? One of the things that keeps us uh, locked into this uh, mode of treasuring things on this earth is, is this, we don't want to share. We just want to keep and we want to keep and we want to keep. On the contrast, one of the ways that we can practice not storing up treasure for ourselves on earth is to say, God, how can I give this to someone else who might be in need? Jesus finishes, finishes up this part of his teaching in verse 24, and he says, No one can be a slave of two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says this, he says, You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and possessions. You, you, you cannot serve both God and the things God has given us to live and to operate within this world. Now, the idea of the word serve here means to devote total service to another. You know, you, you, you can't go all in on worshiping God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, if you have all these things that you would rather treasure in your heart and in your life. And so, uh, in summary, a biblical perspective on this, uh, on treasures, is this. What we treasure shows whom we serve. What we treasure shows whom we serve. And let me just ask us all a question here. Um, what does your heart value? Maybe a more personal question. How would your bank statement reflect upon what your heart values? Jesus connects this teaching of how we approach stuff to what it means to seek the kingdom in the midst of a world that is filled with anxiety and fear. And I think he does that because he knows one of the things that can cause us great anxiety is we go, how will I have what I need for today? And Jesus is going to answer that in the next couple of verses here. He connects these two 
um, in your text, it might be therefore. In the HCSB, which is what I'm using today, it says, this is why I tell you. Okay, so, so understanding how we look at possessions is directly related to what Jesus is going to say in these next verses. Um, before I read this second section here, I, I want to just highlight, there, there's a word and it appears six times. And when you see something repeated, 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 it's something that you should pay attention to. It, it's, it's an important theme for what the author is trying to say, in this case, Jesus. And so as I read these next verses, 25 through 34, see if you can pick out what word it is. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they? Can can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? Why do you worry about clothes? Look at how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I don't know if you caught what word it was. And depending on what translation you're in, it might be translated a couple different ways. The word is anxious or worry. Uh, In HCSB, it's worry. In NIV, it's anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. It's this Greek word. It's a great word, merimao, which I put up there just because I know some of our kids like to write that down. So kids, if you're taking sermon notes or if you're writing down or drawing or something like that, go ahead and write that down and send it to me. Send me whatever you're working on for your sermon notes this morning. And it means this, to be anxious or to be worried means to be apprehensive, to have anxiety, to be anxious, or to be unduly concerned. All right? A common struggle that many of us have in life is how do I make sure I have enough? Jesus has just told his disciples not to gather treasure for this earth, but rather to store it for themselves treasures that are eternal. And the question that comes to us then is this, how do we live in the midst of a world where we need stuff to exist while not letting stuff become the things that we serve? How do we live in a world, in the midst of a world where we need stuff to exist without letting stuff become that which focuses our attention and our focus and our worship? How should we respond When our hearts become anxious over the circumstances in life of, do I have enough? And Jesus' answer is really quite simple. Uh, On the one hand, for us, it's really quite hard to understand and to practice and to live out, but it's really quite simple. And Jesus began this even teaching the disciples' prayer, and it's simply this. Trust God. Trust God. The answer to anxiety, the answer to will I have enough is 
trusts God. Now, he says this, uh, he says, don't worry about your life or don't be anxious about your life. And one of the things that, that, the, that the author's communicating in the original Greek language is, is that this is written in a way that, that, that's a constant, okay? It, it's a present, it's an active, it's an imperative. It's like the author is saying every day and every moment, whenever you experience worry or wherever your eyes become um, directed towards something other than Jesus, you come back and you say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God, all right? It's it's not a, hey, I'm going to trust God next week, or it's, I can trust God with my past. It's right here in this moment. I'm going to choose to trust God. Why would we need to say that? Um, This past uh, weekend, I I went out to grab a couple things that our family needed at the store, and um, you know, it's so interesting to see just how we all shop. And I noticed in myself, in my own life, oh, we might need this. Oh, we might need this. Oh, we might need this. And there's a healthy balance I'm finding between what we need and what we want. Uh, it's so easy to get caught up in if I need this to make sure I have this, and I need this to make sure I have this, and I need 45,000 rolls of toilet paper in my house because I just want to make sure that we're covered. The answer to all things in life when it comes to stuff is to say, God, I'm going to trust that you're going to give me what I need today. And that's an active living out of that truth. Don't be anxious, Jesus says. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Trust God instead. Now, why should we not be anxious? Well, because God is going to care for us. God is going to care for us. Um, And Jesus gives three examples of this. The first one has to do with birds. Now, Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, (coughs) excuse me, likely from uh, the northern part of the Galilee. Uh, When we were in Israel several years ago, we went to what is kind of known as the Mount of Beatitudes. and, And that's one area where this could have been taking place. But just imagine, he's got people gathered around and they're listening to him teach for quite some time. And they're outside, so they're experiencing nature in its finest. And I can just imagine Jesus, who is so great at teaching on the spot, you know, he's talking about this, and he looks at some birds in the air, and he goes, hey, you see those birds over there? Like, it's not this hypothetical of go find yourself some birds to see how God cares for them. He says, look at the birds. Look at how... Um, look at how they live. They don't sow or reap. They don't store away in, your, in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He's, he's, he says they have places to live. You know, they've built nests, but, but it's God who has given them everything they need for food. He's talking to an agrarian community. He's talking to people who are used to seeing birds. He's talking to people who are used to harvesting grain. And um, in storing up for the winter or for the spring or to come, you know, you know, you have these certain parts within the the life cycle of the land of Israel where you harvest this at this time and this at this time. But when you harvest it, that's all you have for the next year. And so you find ways to preserve it. You find ways to store it so that you have what you need. And, and, And he says to his disciples, he says, the birds of the sky, they don't stow, sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. But he says this, aren't you much more valuable than they? Can any of you 
add a single cubit to his height by worrying? You know, it, it's this idea of um, you have all these resources around you, but never forget that all these resources come from the hand of God. It's interesting, going back to the birds for just a minute, in Luke chapter 12, which is where the parallel passage is to this one today, um, in Luke chapter 12, it's not just the common word for birds that's used here. It's actually a word that's translated raven. And you might say, why does that even matter? Well, um, raven, a raven is an unclean bird. To the Jewish people, you wouldn't eat them. You, you really don't have anything to do with them. They're forbidden for consumption from the Torah. And, and so, they're kind of low on the list of acceptable animals that you would engage with. Um, these least appreciated birds, Jesus is saying in, in Luke's version of this, where it brings out this nuance, he says, if, you, if I would take care of even the raven, won't I much more clothe you? He wants them to understand how precious they are in his sight. He wants them to understand how much he cares for his people. Jesus is essentially saying in the midst of a life that's built around um, work and harvest, he says, don't worry, I will care for you. Let me care for you. Let me be your father to care for you. So he's talking about birds. And then he goes to talking about wildflowers. This is the crown anemone. This is the traditional flower for the context of Jesus' teaching here. Whether it is or not, we don't know. But this is what's traditionally held. Um, and he compares this flower. Notice with me, he says, Why do you worry about clothes? Verse 28. Look at how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. All right? This is a beautiful flower. And he highlights Solomon here. For those of us who've been in the scripture for a little while, Solomon, we know, is one of the king, one of the prime kings. You know, he was king of Israel during the just great... Um, uh, period. You know, there was, there was tons of resources. Uh, all the foes had largely been vanquished. Uh, David had handed off his kingdom to Solomon. There's still a little bit of conflict going on, but one of the things Solomon was given was wisdom, uh, is what he asked God for. And with wisdom, God decided to give him everything else, riches and fame. And there's a point in 1 Kings chapter 10 where the queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon, and she's just marvels at all the things that Solomon has. My point is this, just imagine the finest robes, imagine the finest of, of, of the fine. And Jesus is comparing how he clothes a wildflower. And he says, I, I, I clothe a wildflower even greater than Solomon dressed in all of his splendor. And he says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field today, which is here today and thrown into the first furnace tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you? So all these sayings, is he saying, you've seen how I do this? See how much more I will do for you. And he talks about grasses. Grass is something that is here for a limited time in many parts of the world. Uh, it, sometimes you have winter that comes and the grass goes brown. Sometimes you have extreme heat that comes, the grass goes brown. You, you have these life cycles for grass but he says, look, look at how I clothe, look at how I take care of birds. Look at how I care for lilies. Look at how I care for the grass. 
won't I much more clothe you? And to a people who are accustomed to living in this agricultural community, they go, wow, look at how God cares for people. Look at how God loves them. If God cares enough for the grass, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, he will clothe us. He will care for what we need. Which is why then Jesus says, don't worry. All these are examples to say, don't worry, don't worry. He says in verse 31, so don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the idolaters or the pagans, your text might say, eagerly seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Could I just stop and say for a moment that God knows exactly what you and I need today? Let that sink in for a minute. God knows exactly what you and I need today. And yet he calls us into a certain way of living in light of this truth. He says, don't worry. Don't worry. Rather, what are we to do? We are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I don't know about you, um, but in our family, the word we've used to describe the last 10 days or so is just weird. We, we, we haven't been able to make heads or tails of some of it. And some, some days have been filled with a lot more anxiety than other days. Jesus is saying to us, day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, don't be anxious. Trust that I will care for you. Rather, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. Let me provide all that you need. I love what Dr. Darrell Bach says about this passage. He's writing on the Luke 12 passage, but it's, it's the parallel and it works here. He says this about worry. He says, worry is wasted energy, an emotional investment that yields nothing. Worry actually reflects the tension we have when we feel that life is out of our control. It is the product of feeling isolated in the creation. Just think about that for a moment. Worry is wasted energy, an emotional investment that yields nothing. Jesus says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Who of you by being apprehensive or unduly concerned or having anxiety can add a single hour to his life? Worry actually reflects the tension we have when we feel that our life is out of control. Does anybody else feel like their life is just a little bit out of control today? It is the product of feeling isolated in the creation. How then should we respond? His quote goes on. Disciples, however, should know that God cares for them. The antidote to worry is to say, God, you care for me. It may not seem like it. I may not feel like it, but God, it is true. If this is how you clothe all these things, if this is how um, the, the grass 
is preserved. If this, if this is how birds are fed, if this is how flowers are adorned, even more beautiful than Solomon in all of his splendor, God, you care for me. Would you just let that simple truth seek, sink into your heart wherever you find yourself this morning? God cares for you. Because God cares for you, we are then called to live in a certain kind of way. And that is to seek first the kingdom of God and his, and his righteousness. So what does that actually mean for our life today? Well, to seek, to pursue, to go after with all of our intention, with all of our focus. And, and that means sometimes that we're going to be doing dishes, or we're going to be cleaning a house, or we're going to be working on something for work, or we're going to be doing school, or we're going to be working from home, or, or it means that, that we might be going into, because we're a healthcare provider, going into a hospital or an office to care for someone. It's going to look different, but it means that whatever you find your life um, calling and passion and gifting for, it means to seek God in that. Don't let that work become the idol. Don't let that work become that which brings you identity or that which brings you satisfaction or that which brings you provision. Let that work be something through which God uses you to love others and to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in the midst of all this, practice the presence of God. Um, pursue a relationship with God every day, have a life that is grounded upon the scripture. And the only way that you can really seek first the kingdom of God is to have a relationship with God. Um, When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he begins by teaching them to pray, pray then like this, our Father, And to call God Father means that you have a relationship with Him. And the only way that you and I can have a relationship with God, the Father, is through His Son, Jesus. The scripture says that Jesus came and He lived and He died died for our sins. And He was raised on the third day. And that by believing in what Jesus has done for us by dying and by being raised to life, that we can find salvation in Him when we say, God, thank you for saving me. God, thank you for dying on the cross so that I can have um, my sins forgiven. That's when we come into relationship with the Father. And we begin to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. To seek first His kingdom and, and His righteousness means that we, we care about what God cares about. It means that we don't live in the future. Rather, we trust God in the present. And we trust our futures to the hand of a good and faithful God. Do you know that God cares for you? Whether you have a relationship with Jesus today or not, I want you to know that God desperately, passionately loves you and cares for you, which is why he sent Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with him today, you can have one by trusting in his work on the cross and rising again for your sins and for mine. Do you know that God cares for you? Do you know that God cares for you? Second question, what does it mean for you to pursue the kingdom? Not the kingdom of this world, not, not, not the treasures of the kingdom of putting them in a pyramid so that you have them later. It, 
What does it mean for you and I to pursue the kingdom today? In a very Jewish fashion, I'm going to answer that question with two questions. Um, What does it mean to pursue the kingdom today? Ask this question. What does it mean for my life to bring glory to God today? What does it mean for me to bring glory to God in everything I do? What does it mean for me to love God with all that I am? And secondly, how does my life prioritize people? How am I seeking to serve and to live beyond? You know, we talked about one of the antidotes for having a, um, a life that's focused on gathering treasure in this life is to have a good eye, to be generous. How, how might God be calling me to be generous and that could be through time, that could be through encouragement, that could be through finances, that, that could be a whole host of different ways. How is God calling you to invest your life during this weird time for His glory and for the benefit of others? I was so encouraged this past week as I just saw some, uh, some examples of this throughout uh, the internet and throughout conversations I've had with people. For example, um, there's, there, there's families that are gathering around and um, they're, they're studying the scripture every day. You know, th- this time has given them a different pattern of life, which they can open the Bible together, which they can sing together maybe, which they can memorize scripture together, which they, they can use other forms of communication, largely digital and phone, to, to show care and concern for others. Uh, one thing I saw online this week, it was that there were some young people from our church who were making cards to send them to elderly shut-ins. Man, what a way to prioritize your life around something that would bring blessing to someone else. Um, There's people who have delivered groceries. I saw someone doing that the other day for for someone in in our neighborhood. Um, there's people who have been sending cards. I know we've received a few cards of encouragement and prayer or text messages of encouragement and prayer. Um, There's a whole host of ways in which we can prioritize and pursue God's kingdom today. And I want to encourage you this morning, ask God, you know, work through, God, how could our lives reflect this today? How could they reflect this tomorrow with this different kind of pace of living, what should our lives look like in order to reflect kingdom priorities rather than selfish priorities? What would our lives look like to to seek to love other people instead of just trying to store up for ourselves all these treasures here so that we can take them with us, which you really can't do. As we continue in the season of life, I just want to remind you, God cares for you. God wants to help you grow. In fact, these are moments that that don't escape God's notice. All right, They, they, they may be difficult for many people throughout the world, but they don't escape God's notice. In fact, God meets us in our struggle. God meets us in our suffering. God meets us when we are struggling with with anxiety and when we're struggling with fear. And He says, "I'm here." I love you. I care for you. So um, I I want to encourage you when we finish here in just a minute, um, download that discussion guide that Ron put together for us, because I think it will really help you become even more practical 
in saying, what does it mean to focus our hearts and our minds upon truth and upon God's word? And how do we continue to live this out this next week? But let's pray. And then I have a couple announcements for us as we close. Our Father and our King, many of us come this morning uh, facing one struggle or another, being anxious over one thing or another. God, maybe it's a job. Uh, Maybe it's uh, the health of a family member. Uh, Maybe it's the uh, separation that we find ourselves in because we're isolated in our homes. Um, God, you know exactly where we are this morning. And God, you say in your word that you care for us because um, we have been fashioned and created by you God you have you have a love for all people but we as your children God we, we come to you and we say father Abba thank you for caring for us God holy is your name God may your kingdom come may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven Lord, give us today our sufficient needs for today. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory now and forever. We pray in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this morning to hear from you. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for our gathering today. A couple of uh, comments before we finish and we sign off for the day. Um, The first is this. uh, Take the next 20 minutes or so. Do it right now if you can to work through this study guide, this discussion guide, uh, to process this teaching more in depth. Even if you do it by yourself, it will be a very helpful practice for you. Um, You can download that. You can download our bulletin on our website. You can also find information about giving during this time or about contacting us for anything, uh, both on our bulletin and also on our website. If you have any questions, we would love to be able to encourage you and pray with you. Uh, One of the, the things that's built into our website is a prayer contact form. You can fill that out and um, share that with us and we will be praying for it. And you can tell us who that needs to go to and we will get back with you uh, as soon as we can and just kind of follow up with whatever is going on in your life. Uh, you can also contact us at our, at our phone number, 616-772-4377 or at a myriad of email addresses, prayer at fpczealand.org or office at fpczealand.org are both great ways to connect with us during this time. Um, I also just remind you, uh, if you're on our website right now, which most likely you are because you're watching this, uh, you'll see beneath you've got a subscribe button, you've got a connect button, you've got a give button, and underneath that's contact information. And then there's a weekly update. It's in the bottom right hand of your browser. And we send out a weekly update every Wednesday. And so if you don't get those and you would like to get those to just stay uh, up to date about what the latest uh, actions we're taking in order to care for our community well and in all that, our weekly update is a great place for you to do that. So have a fantastic day. Um, As you've gathered this morning, just before you all stand up and go crazy, um, as you gather, would you just take a quick picture for me? Uh, One of the things I loved seeing last week is all the food and all the people, mostly the people, but the food was really cool too, uh, gathered around enjoying uh, 
church uh, with your coffee in hand or with your French toast on your plate. And if you wouldn't mind, share those with us because it's one way for us just to see how we are gathering all throughout the city and throughout our, our states here. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you his peace this week as we seek to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.